Welcome to the VBAC Link podcast. We are a team of expert doulas trained in supporting VBAC, have had VBACs of our own, and work extensively with VBAC women and their providers. We are here to provide detailed VBAC and cesarean prevention stories and facts in a simple, consolidated format. When we were moms preparing to VBAC, it was stories and information like we will be sharing in this podcast that helped fine-tune our intuition and build confidence in our birth preparations. We hope this does the same for you. To hear more about us and to hear our individual VBAC stories, be sure to check out episodes one, two, and three. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Good morning, women of strength. I am so excited to be here today. I have an awesome guest, and I can't wait to introduce her to you. But First, I wanted to share with you, um, we are in episode 12, and at the end of our episode, we are going to be sharing some facts about how to find a good, strong VBAC supportive provider. So hang in there, listen to the story. Um, my guest is super awesome. You're going to be hanging on to every word of her story, and I'm so excited for you to hear her. We are going to be hearing from Haley today, and Haley lives in Colorado in the Boulder area, and I say this like every time, but um, she reached out to me. She messaged me on our Instagram page, and guys, I'm serious. Every time I get messages or emails or something from any of you, I love it. I get all giggly inside like it's Christmas morning, like really? That's how it happens. (laughs) Um, But anyways, Haley messaged me on Instagram, and come to find out, Not only is she a VBAC mom, but guys, she is an incredible photographer. Birth photographer, like her Instagram feed, everyone needs to go follow her right now because her feed is gorgeous. So her Instagram handle is motherlovinyogi, all one word, and I'm going to tag that down in the show notes. So definitely give her a follow. She's awesome. If you're in Colorado looking for a birth photographer, definitely reach out to her. And the thing that really made me really want to share her story is at the end, she, she talks about how her provider seemed very supportive of her VBAC and laboring in different positions and all sorts of things um, when they were talking about her birth. But then when it came down to it, he didn't do any of those things that he offered to do for her, said that he would. But I'm going to let her share all those details with you. And then, like I said, at the end, we're going to share with you how to find out exactly what questions you need to ask your doctor to find out if he's going to support you in your VBAC choices. So, Haley, if you're there, you can go ahead and share your story with us. Yes, thank you so much for having me. So, first, I'll just say my doctor was a woman, just so everyone knows. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) No, it's okay. Um, So, with my first son, my C-section, he was an emergency C-section. Um, both my births were kind of two different ends of the spectrum, um, kind of crazy. So Phoenix had a high heart rate. So we, at 37 weeks, I had a C-section. And then he was taken to the NICU, and it was, I didn't get that quality time 
with him. Yeah. He was taken away right away and life-flighted to a different hospital and all of that. And he spent nine days there. And today he's a perfectly healthy, fine little man. Um, because of Phoenix's birth, I knew that I wanted to obviously have things turn out differently the second time around. Um, with Phoenix, my birth plan was to do all natural um, vaginal labor. Obviously, that was my plan, and it didn't go that way. But with Libby, my second, I really wanted to have those, you know, that golden hour. Um, I wanted to have skin to skin right away. I wanted to do all the things the right way. And so I labored at home with Libby for a long time. Um, one of the things I I talk about with my story is that I don't feel like I was, I didn't know what questions I needed to ask, I guess, and I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was given enough information about what a feedback would mean and what makes it different. Mm-hmm. For example, I didn't understand that, like, the labor's a lot longer and, things like that. And so we actually ended up going to the hospital and then I got sent home and I labored throughout the night and through most of the next day. And we live up in the mountains, so taking a mountain drive while you're um, having contractions is pretty gnarly. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I can't even imagine. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I was at my home and my home is about an hour from the hospital. So um, my contractions started getting pretty intense, and I decided that, okay, I think we should probably head down the mountain. And that mountain drive really got things going. I definitely transitioned into the pushing phase in the car. And we actually had to stop and get gas on the way to the hospital. (laughs) So I was... I was actually in a gas station parking lot, like, screaming my head off. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm sure, that was, I'm sure that was quite a scene for some people. <laughs> um, so then we get to the hospital, and the nurses were just very, you know, I guess I kind of understand because women come in all the time probably thinking they're super dilated and they're not, but um, I was trying to let them know, like, this is not just a contraction that's happening anymore. This is, like, the baby is coming out. <laughs> and, um, but my water never broke. So they just, I don't think they understood how far along I was. They kind of took their time, and I went to triage, and in triage is where I had my bloody show, but my, um, my water still had not broken. And so finally they checked me, and she was like, okay, you're, like, 10 centimeters um, like 90% effaced, and so they took me to a room, and between the triage room and my room, they, I was, like, literally the moment I got into that hospital that I was pushing, like, really pushing, and another thing that I don't feel like I ever heard before I had Libby And with Phoenix, my first child, I didn't go through any labor because it was an emergency C-section. 
So I had no idea what a contraction felt like. But, and you know, the movies and stuff with the doctors helping you learn how to push and you go to these classes and you learn how to breathe the right way and push. And it just blew my mind when I actually had living because pushing is not an option. Like, I didn't feel like I was in control of pushing. It was just something that was happening to me. Yeah. So (laughs) it was, um, and I guess um, it's kind of cool, I think, to know that literally, like, you could probably be sleeping, (laughs) not even conscious, and your body would probably, like, push this baby out by itself. And to me, knowing that now, it's like a relief. Like, you don't need to learn how to push. Your body, like a contraction is something that happens all by itself. And the pushing contractions are totally different. And they're so strong. And they do it all on its own. Um, obviously, you can probably aid in that. But essentially, the nurses were yelling at me saying, you have to stop pushing. The doctor's not here yet. And that was when I, I just had the mind blow of like, have these women ever had a baby? Because I don't understand why they're telling me to make this thing stop when mm-hmm. I have no choice. Like, this is not a decision. So it was just very chaotic in those last moments of pushing, and finally the doctor got there, and, you know, they're doing the thing where they're, like, telling me to push for so long, even if I don't have a contraction. And I just remember feeling so confused why they were doing that. And um, when you at least for me, during my labor, and this is obviously without any meds or epidural, and you go to a different place in your head. And it's, for me, it was, it was like an out-of-body experience, kind of. Like, I don't, I remember everything going on around me, but I didn't feel like I had the ability to interact with anyone. Like, I could hear what the doctors were saying, and I could, I could move my own body and everything, but I was so focused on just laboring this baby out. Like, I couldn't really talk to anyone. I was just like, like it was a very weird feeling. Uh-huh. And so I was laying on the bed on my side. That's how I went into birth. I just kind of intuitively knew that's how I wanted to birth, even I mean, from the very beginning, I just, I did my research. Um, I talked, you know, my doula, I've talked to other midwives who have seen women give birth on their side like that. And um, my doctor, in our appointment, she agreed that that would be okay, and that was in my birth plan. And then when she got in the room, she all of a sudden was spouting out that research says that this kind of a position is, dangerous and can cause massive tearing and all this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at that point, I couldn't have a conversation with her. I was just, I heard what she said. I disagreed with what she said. And I didn't move my body. I left my body in that position. And I, I was, like, holding on to the side of the bed to keep myself in that position. And then... Um, and then it was time to have the baby. My water broke. It, like, exploded. <laughs> it was like a grenade kind of went off. It was, like, crazy. Mm-hmm. And 
um, it was so loud. I don't, I wasn't prepared for that either. Like when your water breaks, it was like a balloon pop. At least for me, it was. Um, and so she water broke. Baby's coming. The final pushing. I really didn't have to. I mean, I pushed for maybe twenty to thirty minutes, and she was out. And she was a nice. nine. Libby was a nine-pound baby. Yeah, she was. She was big. <laughs> and so when I was birthing her, the nurses actually, they like, I was holding my upper body on the bed on my side, mm-hmm. and they actually, um, there were like four nurses, two on each leg, and they were. They twisted me open and held my legs down while I was pushing. Oh, my gosh. And, um, you know, like I said, I was so, I don't really know how to explain it other than, like, I just couldn't really speak to anybody. I couldn't advocate for myself. So I was just, all I could think about was getting this baby out of me. And so I ended up giving birth in, like, a twist. And Mm. it was it was pretty crazy. I had massive tearing. Um, I hemorrhaged to the point where they almost, um, I don't know what it's called, the shot they give you when your blood pressure drops massively. But anyways, I was like, I was like seeing stars and everything. And um, I had to hand Libby to to Travis because Travis is my husband. Um, I was afraid I was going to drop her. And so I lost a massive amount of blood. I don't know how much blood I lost, but I had to get a transfusion. And then they also had to take me to the OR for stitching me up because my tearing was in such a weird place that they couldn't get to it. And I didn't have an epidural, so I could feel everything. Mm. So... um, I'm so happy that I went, that I did the VBAC, that I know what labor feels like. And um, I guess for me, maybe my perspective is a little different because with my next baby, um, I will probably elect to have a C-section because my experience was so intense as far as postpartum recovery. And I don't think it's that way for every VBAC, but for me, it was giving birth in a twist like that with such a big baby and all the blood loss. It was the most intense postpartum healing. I mean, it was 10 times worse than healing from my C-section. And for me, I would my next baby, I'll elect to have a C-section because I just can't go through that again. But, um, you know, the labor part, the having the baby part, it was incredible. And I wish that, I wish I had had more information and I had had more advocacy in the moment because I think that that could have changed everything for me as far as the damage that I did during the actual birth, I don't think that that was necessary. Uh-huh. So I think, I think the best thing a woman can do after she's had a C-section and she wants to have a VBAC is to be extremely educated in VBAC specifically and have 
people there who are going to who are going to speak up for you in a time when a doctor is doing something that you know is not in your birth plan because I just couldn't do it for myself in that moment. And it caused me a lot of damage and pain, you know, for months and months after my birth. And I didn't even get, you know, the whole point of me wanting to do the feedback was to have all that skin-to-skin time and have my baby right after. and, And I still got... I still had to go be put under and go to the OR. And I just, I feel strongly that that all could have been avoided simply by being educated, more educated in VBAC specifically and, and um, having more people in the room who were advocating for my birth plan rather than, you know, the hospital's birth plan. Yeah. Ma'am, I am so sorry that you went through all of that. I, my heart is breaking for you right now. I, I'm like not a crier. Like I don't cry over anything, like unless I'm pregnant. Like, <laughs> but I'm like tearing up right now at your story. I, it breaks my heart that you didn't have the support you need to have a good experience, um, especially when you were hoping for such a strong one um, coming out of your C-section. Um, I think also being at, as a birth photographer now, I'm, I'm seeing so many different births. I mean, I've seen women birth their babies at home in a, in a birthing tub who, I mean, it actually looks enjoyable for them. It's hard, like knowing my own experiences, it's, you know, you hear about the women who can have babies and they are, and they have no pain and it feels good. And and I I can honestly tell you that that can happen for some women. Like some women really do birth like that. And then some women, you know, it's painful, but they have their babies and everything's fine and they have like a tiny little tear and maybe they need a stitch or maybe they don't need any stitches. And then two days later they're out walking with their babies around the block. And every birth is so incredibly different. And I've been at C-section births. I've been at vaginal births in the hospital, at home. And I think the one thing I can say from all these different experiences is that women truly know, like, a woman's intuition about her own body is just, it's always right. I've never Mm -hmm. seen it be wrong. And my experience with Libby I feel very strongly that if I had been allowed to follow my intuition, I could have had a birth like that that was yeah. not so damaging. And so I, I don't want women to hear my story and be afraid. I want them to feel strongly that their own ideas about what they want to do with their body during birth are, I mean, it's not, it's not an accident that you feel this way about your body. You feel that yes. way for a reason. And if you have people around you who can advocate for you through your own intuition, then birth is a beautiful thing and it doesn't have to be so traumatic. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I love that so much. One thing I tell my clients um, all the time, uh, they'll ask questions about this thing or that thing or this doesn't feel quite right and then... You know, I'll give them the evidence-based information for whatever they're asking about, but I'm like, but if, but if, 
that doesn't feel right to you, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I share with you. It doesn't matter what your doctor shares with you. It doesn't matter with your mom or your husband or anybody shares with you. What matters most is your intuition. We we have a gift as women and, and that gift is your right intuition and you are a mother to your baby. You're connected with that baby and your baby and your body are going to let you know if something's wrong. And I firmly believe that also. Yes. I've seen it a million times. Yes. And I I went into my birth with Libby kind of like very righteous, very like I was positive that I knew exactly the right way to give birth and it was this way and it was with no drugs and it doesn't, you know, I had all these really idealistic views and um, Libby's birth has, both of my births have shown me that um, there is no one right way to birth. There, it's whatever is right, whatever that woman believes is right for her, that's what's right for her, bottom line. And we're all so different. Every situation is different. Every baby is different. And the bottom line is, is like you said, women are tethered to that baby physically, and they know what to do for that baby, for themselves as well. Yes, perfect. I was going to say something just like that, like to kind of close out and transition into our fact, but you just said that beautifully. I believe that 100%. And... um, to our listeners, I I don't want you guys to feel that we believe or that anybody believes, or maybe other people do, but I don't want you guys to think that we believe that VBAC is the only way to birth after you have a C-section, because that's not true. We share VBAC stories because we want to educate women, because so many women don't know what their options are, and they don't know that there's information out there, and they don't know how to learn, and their providers won't tell them. And so that's our yes. goal is to educate and inspire and bring hope. And if our education and our inspiration is telling you, like leading your intuition to a scheduled cesarean, then, oh, my gosh, please do that. Don't feel like you failed. Don't feel like you failed if your VBAC ends up in a C-section, like your planned VBAC ends up a different way. There's there's no right way to have a baby you said I say that all the time you like made my heart so happy when you said that because it's true <laughs> there's no one right way and um, the right way to me would be that you felt empowered and in control of the things that were happening to you and so I would say um, definitely aim for that aim for being in control arm yourself with as much knowledge as you possibly can um, and and provide yourself with a good birth team. Get a doula. Everybody, oh my gosh, get a doula. I'm not saying that just because I'm a doula. That's why I became one. It's because I know more women needed that kind of support that was provided to me in my first feedback. Well, and all my other feedbacks too. But I want to just kind of talk about some things you can do to help you find out if your provider is really VBAC supportive or if they're just like, oh, we'll let you try for VBAC. There are some type of care providers who will mislead you um, about your risks and benefits and options, not only a VBAC, but there are a lot of risks with cesareans too, and most doctors won't share those things with you. So 
I want you to look for an ethical care provider that will explain all the risks about all of the things to you and not just highlight one different option. So before I get started on a couple questions that you can ask your provider, I want to refer you to our blog. Our blog is called Utah VBAC Link because we're doulas in Utah, so that's how we roll slash blog. There you're going to find an article with a lot more um, questions and how to determine if a provider is really VBAC supportive for you. But a lot of the times I tell people, women in all, going into any type of birth, VBAC or not, I always say, don't tell your provider what your birth plan is and then say, do you support that? Because any provider will tell you, oh yeah, I support that. Oh yeah, you can have a VBAC, you can do this or whatever. But that's not giving you time to really get to know them and what their personal philosophy is surrounding VBAC or any kind of birth, whatever birth you want to have. So I always say to ask open-ended questions where like they have to talk and tell you and that will give you a really good feel about what that specific provider is about. I always tell women to ask, what is your birth philosophy on VBAC? How do you feel about VBAC? because that's going to get them started telling you about what they feel. And you'll be able to get a vibe off of them about if they're really strongly supportive of it or if, they're just tolerate, if they just tolerate it and if everything was perfect, then they'll let you have one. Ask about when would they induce a VBAC because some doctors don't like you to go past 39 weeks or even if they induce VBACs at all because some doctors won't induce a VBAC even though evidence shows that it's a viable option to induce, induce you as a VBAC woman if, you are, if it's necessary. Ask them what they feel about suspected big babies. We talk about that in previous episodes. Um, ask them how many VBACs they've attended and what percentage of their clients that plan to have VBACs actually have them. Ask them about hospital policy and if their philosophy on VBAC aligns with the hospital's policy because sometimes the doctors are bound by what the hospital will allow them to do. Ask them how they feel about doulas because I'll tell you what, <laughs> you can tell a lot about what a provider feels about birth and how cooperative he's going to be with your birth choices if they like doulas. That's just how it, how it works. Ask what their cesarean rate is, and if you if they won't tell you, you can find it on the website cesareanrates.org. I guarantee every woman should go there and find out the cesarean rate for their doctor and hospital. Guys, those are just some questions to get started with your provider. One thing I say is like, call and make the appointment. Ask for a consultation when you call. Don't say, I want to make an appointment because I'm so many weeks pregnant. Say, I want to have a consultation with this doctor about supporting me on my birth. And, um, and if you can, like, get it in his office. Don't get it in an exam room. That kind of takes away some power from you just kind of automatically. They're less of an authority when they're in their office, and you can just speak casually to them. So, so don't ask the staff questions. The staff, the people that make your appointments, they are going to give you different answers than what your doctor w would. So call and make an appointment. Ask for a consultation. Most doctors will do a free consultation for you um, before even becoming their patient. So take that. Guys, oh my gosh, I cannot stress how important it is for you to have a good, supportive birth team and the top most important 
person in your birth team is your provider. And that is going to make the biggest impact on whether or not your birth is, or your VBAC is, is going to be successful or not. And not only that, but how happy you're going to be with that experience. Haley, thank you so much for sharing your experience with us. I know that that's hard to probably relive and go through. And one thing I want to mention too is not all cesareans are traumatic. Some are, and some are hard, and some women are perfectly happy with their cesareans. And, and not all VBACs are glamorous and empowering either. Mm-hmm. Some, are, some of them are traumatic, and that's, that's reality. And I just wanted to thank Haley again for sharing her story with us and for reaching out to me. And guys, really, go follow her Instagram at Mother Lovin Yogi. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. You're going to fall in love just like I did. And have a great night, everybody. We are always looking for more inspiring stories. To share your story or possibly be on one of our podcasts, post on social media with the hashtag YWeVBack and tag at the VBack link or contact us from our website. Be sure to rate us and share and leave your reviews. We are excited to hear what you think. For families local to Utah, be sure to check out our website, utahvbacklink.com, for more information on our VBAC childbirth classes and doula services. Thank you so much for listening. We are excited for you to begin your journey with us.